Well, welcome to Carmelite Conversations, our new podcast. Um, we took a Sabbath rest, and now we are back in a new form, so a little something old, but something new. And I have with me today a special guest, Marika Zimmerman, who is a secular discount Carmelite in Dayton, Ohio. And she's going to uh, talk with us about St. Joseph. His feast day, of course, is March 19th, and the Order of Carmel honors him especially on that day because he is the principal protector of the Carmelite order. And, you know, St. Teresa of Avila wrote, I know by experience that the glorious St. Joseph assists us generally in all necessities. I never asked him for anything which he did not obtain for me. And so we're going to begin with a prayer. This is a prayer to St. Joseph that was found in the year 50 A.D. And many of you will be familiar with it if you have that Blue Pieta prayer book. But it is a very old ancient prayer to St. Joseph. So let's get recollected and let us turn our, our minds and our hearts inward to speak to St. Joseph. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. O St. Joseph, whose protection is so great, so strong, so prompt before the throne of God, I place in you all my interests and desires. O St. Joseph, do assist me by your powerful intercession and obtain for me from your divine Son all spiritual blessings through Jesus Christ, our Lord, so that having engaged here below your heavenly power, I may offer my thanksgiving and homage to the most loving of fathers. O St. Joseph, I never weary contemplating you and Jesus asleep in your arms. I dare not approach while he reposes near your heart. Press him in my name and kiss his fine head for me and ask him to return the kiss when I draw my dying breath. St. Joseph, patron of departing souls, pray for us. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Again, this is Francis Harry, host for Carmelite Conversations. Mark and I um, did like six years of uh, Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, and now we are venturing out and adding podcasts. So we hope that you will tune in at CarmeliteConversations.com and uh, see what we have to share in the form of podcasts. So, um, Marika, I'd like to welcome you. Thank you for coming on the program. Oh, Francis, it's always a pleasure to be on the program. Thank you <laughs> well, for having me. Well, you're my sister in the Carmelite community here in Dayton, and um, our council uh, had made a decision to honor St. Joseph this year, and in our general meetings, we're giving presentations on St. Joseph, and you were the first volunteer. <laughs> yes, I was. <laughs> so grateful for that. Um, so uh, I know you have something prepared for us today, but I want to ask you this first. When did you first get interested in St. Joseph, and, and what kind of devotions do you have to him? Well, um, my love for St. Joseph uh, actually became very, very real to me. Um, after I became a wife and a mother, okay. um, my husband's job took him around the world. He traveled a lot. And um, with two young little babies, um, sometimes you feel 
like you're left stranded. And uh, <laughs> right. there were some things that required a man's knowledge. And so when he would go away on trips, I would just automatically just feel led to pray to St. Joseph. And, and, and I would say, St. Joseph, my husband is now out of town. Please come and fill, fill in while he's gone as husband and father in whatever way, you know, the Lord uh, allows you to do. Um, and that always brought me peace. Um, so uh, that was that was kind of an informal kind of just getting to know St. Joseph. And I was really surprised by the things that happened. And then, you know, as far as, you know, uh, actual devotions, um, his annual feast day, the novena, I, I always like to pray that in preparation. Um, you know, just just a little prayer from the heart. Right. Um, you know, daily here and there. Nothing, nothing big or spectacular, just the little way. <laughs> I like to do Jesus, Mary, Joseph. Exactly. Save souls. Yeah, the I love ej- you, save souls. Yes, the ejaculatory <laughs> phrase. I mean, that yeah. one just regularly, you see someone in trouble, that one just comes automatic. And I notice you have a wonderful statue of St. Joseph here that, that you've brought into where we're recording today. Can you tell us a little bit about this statue of St. Joseph? Um, yeah, actually, uh, about uh, it was in 2013. Um, I was looking for a Christmas present for my husband, and uh, I happened to wander into one of the religious gift stores, and there was this rugged-looking carpenter. And at first I thought it was Jesus, you know, because it looks a lot like Jesus. Um, but the, the clerk told me, no, this is a statue of St. Joseph, and he's, he's like um, uh, just shaving some wood and a very, very rugged-looking younger man. Um, and I just I just fell in love with it. So I thought this was the perfect gift for my husband for Christmas that year. Well, I enjoy having that statue to look at while we talk about St. Joseph because we want to honor him. So why don't you tell us about what the focus of this talk is on and how you chose this topic? Um, well, our topic today is going to focus on the faith of St. Joseph. Uh, since we were going to do talks about St. Joseph and Carmel, uh, as I was looking at all the different uh, suggestions, um, none of those seemed to ring a bell with me. And then I thought, we need to understand faith a little bit better. And who better to, you know, look at for an example is the faith of St. Joseph, because it would have required a tremendous amount of faith to be the foster father of the Son of God. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, so I thought, you know, that might be a good topic to start, you know, exploring and to begin our, you know, series with. Okay, so let's start off by... Um uh, you telling us, what do we know about St. Joseph? Okay, um, well, first of all, there's a little known about him in, in the written text. Mm-hmm. Um, he was of the line of David, uh, which was essentially in order for Jesus to be legally of the house of the line of David in fulfillment mm-hmm. of scriptures. Right. So what's more important for us is the example that St. Joseph left us. Uh, he was a man of faith who played his role in God's salvific plan for us, he was obedient to the will of God. He had a love for the law and its fulfillment. And he showed piety and fortitude in times of trouble. Um, he was chaste. He had, he had a chaste love for the Blessed Mother. And he exercised his paternal authority with due care. Uh, he's therefore a real true example of Christian living. And he's the protector of Holy Mother Church. And, and protector of the Carmelite order. How appropriate. Yeah. St. Joseph is, uh, um, is an example of a life that's r- so hidden and yet so pleasing to God that scriptures do not even record any spoken words. But what the Gospels do show us is that Joseph was a doer of God's will, and he was always on the go, 
always on the move to do God's bidding. Um, For example, journeying to Bethlehem for the census, uh, fleeing to Egypt with Mary and the infant Jesus to escape Herod, and then journeying back to Nazareth after Herod's death. So St. Joseph has often been described um, strong, compassionate, caring, fatherly, chaste, hardworking, simple, just, and faithful. You know, those are all qualities that we all would want to imitate, right? Yeah. And so, um, but out of all of those qualities and those those words that we hear used to describe St. Joseph, I, I chose to focus on faith today. All right. Well, before we continue, why don't we start with what's the definition of faith? All right. Let's go to scripture for that. All right. Um, <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. I like this one, uh, this definition. Faith is the realization of what is hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I love this passage. I remember in grade school, we got to order books and posters, and I ordered a poster with this quote on it, not even realizing at that time that it came from Scripture. I just liked that quote. I thought, man, this is deep, and I really liked it, so go ahead. And then um, there was another uh, definition that I I thought was appropriate and and good. Uh, Father John Harden, a Jesuit, uh, defines divine faith as a virtue which enables us to assent with our intellects to the truths revealed by God, not because we comprehend them, but only on the authority of God who can neither deceive nor be deceived. That's huge because in our day and age, so many people want to go on their own authority, on their own knowledge, and faith takes you beyond where knowledge can take you. I uh, saw St. John of the Cross talked about that a great deal. So um, let's let's go on, keep going. All right, uh, and... Faith, okay, by definition, if we look at it, it's, it's a verb. What part of speech? It's a verb. So that means that we must act on what we believe. Yeah, let's ponder that. As the Blessed Mother would ponder, right? And it's all Carmelites are called to do, ponder. Anybody exactly. who wants to pray, ponder that. Um, so, so faith is something that you act on. So uh, it, it is in the act where the faith is expressed, right? I get it. And that's how your faith grows, because when you exercise faith, just like when you exercise your body, your muscles grow, your faith grows. And you do and you do this. You act on the authority of of the Lord. Exactly. Exactly. So if we if we go back to uh, Hebrews again, chapter 11, verse six, a little bit further down. But without faith, it is impossible to please him for anyone who approaches God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And of course, we know in this day and age, the evil one wants you to think God doesn't exist so that he can do his business without being discovered. But the light is shining. Praise God, the light is shining. So how important is our virtue of faith then? Okay, Our faith is not only important, it's indispensable. Mm-hmm. Our faith is the foundation of everything. So our faith is the foundation of our hope. Only believing Christians have hope and the measure of our trust in God, and therefore we hope in his promises. Well, why is faith then important to us? Our faith is the basis of our hope, and as with hope, so with love. Our love is only as strong as our faith, and our faith is the foundation of all the virtues. There's no patience without faith. Faith is so important because it's the foundation of our prayer, Uh, Father Hardin also went on to say that without faith, 
life would be unlivable. I know. I mean, and maybe that's why there are so many suicides today, because they're lacking faith. Exactly. Because uh, they're trying to squish the light of faith. Um, I, I remember something Pope Benedict said about uh, the light of faith being extinguished. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, oh boy, uh, it's like, like the air. You need the air to breathe and, and you need faith to, to be able to follow the Lord and, and to have hope. And if you have no hope, then it is a dark world here and it, it loses its meaning. All right, go ahead. Um, Joseph was a man of deep faith. He was obedient to whatever God asked him, regardless of the outcome. That's very important. So uh, there was another source that I used. I went to uh, source Divine Intimacy. Oh, that's one of my most favorite books. Meditations (laughs) on the Interior Life for Every Day of the Liturgical Year. By the way, um, you can order that now. It's it's reprinted and um, icspublications.org. I think it's .org. <laughs> it's either .com or .org. Um, they carry it, so you can order a copy of that. So that one of his reflections, this was from, by Father uh, Gabriel of St. Mary Magdalene, a Carmelite. Uh, his little um, section on St. Joseph's life of faith, he actually wrote on that. Uh, he says that Father Gabriel states that the fundamental disposition of St. Joseph's soul was one of complete confidence and abandonment to God which had its source in faith. And so must we, right? Exactly, exactly. All right, let's go to Scripture um, now for some examples of um, the faith of St. Joseph. Can you help us out there? All right, uh, I'd like to begin in Matthew's Gospel. Uh, Joseph is called a righteous man. That's in Matthew chapter 1, verse 19. Now, sacred Scripture teaches that one who is righteous by faith will live. And then in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, And it can well be affirmed that no creature after the Blessed Mother has lived as much by faith as St. Joseph. In fact, having spent his whole life within the orbit of the mystery of the Incarnation, he necessarily had to pass through all, excuse me, (laughs) a little dry, (laughs) all the obscurities which surrounded the accomplishment of this great mystery. And let's let's pause and think about that. The obscurities which surrounded the accomplishment of the great mystery. I mean, it wasn't like Joseph was told step by step what was going to happen. He really was stretched to the edge of his faith. He really flexed those faith muscles. Exactly. Especially at the beginning. And then can you imagine raising the the God child, the the son of God in your own home? Oh my gosh. All right, go ahead. So Saint Joseph needed a deep faith, a faith that was continually nourished by suffering and tempered through anguish. The perplexity that was aroused in his mind by Mary's mysterious maternity. The extreme poverty, the anxieties connected with Bethlehem, the privations that happened during the flight to Egypt afflicted his sensitive soul to such an extent that in the most serious crises, he needed the intervention of an angel by whom he was sustained and introduced into the depths of the divine mystery that were unfolding before his eyes. St. Joseph allowed himself to be guided with docility and blind conf- and the blind confidence of a child. So who does this sound like? St. <laughs> Therese. Oh, 
you know, good example. You yes. know, docility. I mean, that's a that's a huge one for the people in our culture, mm-hmm. because everybody wants to be in control. They want to do it themselves. They don't know how to be docile to the Holy Spirit. And and I think the confidence part is really uh, critical too, because you can believe in God but not have confidence in God. And Therese exactly. was a great example. Um, exactly. Of course, St. Joseph was t- too. But Therese, uh, more recently, uh, in the late 1800s and uh, 19, early 1900s, um, this confidence of a child who loves the Father. You know. So um, I know gosp- the Gospels talk about St. Joseph, even though he didn't speak. <laughs> so uh, can you bring up some of those events for us? Okay, so there are actually... Um, four uh, gospel uh, sections that relate to the events that testify to this. The first one was when the angel came to Joseph in a dream and told him the truth about the child that Mary was carrying. Joseph instantly and without question and without concern for gossip took her as his wife. And you know that's huge because he didn't question God and a lot of people do question God before they act. So this is a great thing to imitate. Well he was it's it's interesting because he's imitating our blessed mother when the angel Gabriel comes to her, you know, be it done unto me according to thy will, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so Joseph is kind of doing the same thing here. Um, we don't hear him say anything, but he's doing the same thing. So his such was his intention when, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said to Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife into your home. For it is through the Holy Spirit that this child has been conceived in her. When Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took his wife into his home. That's Matthew chapter 1, verse 20 and 24. And like our blessed mother, when the angel spoke, God's command, his heart obedient to the will of God, obeyed without question. All right. Okay, give us another example. So another example, uh, later again, the angel came in a dream to tell Joseph, that his family was in danger again. Rise and take the child and his mother and flee into Egypt and stay there until I tell you. That's in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 13. That so, had to be tough. You know, leave everything and just go. And, and suddenly, in the middle of the night. Yes, yes. It's not like they had electricity so they could pick up everything and see and plan. You know, we always plan for our vacations and, there's and no our street lights. moves. It's dark. <laughs> right. Yes. So fleeing and living in exile in a strange land did present uh, overwhelming difficulties that they had to leave all behind. Uh, this created inconveniences. Mm-hmm. They had to tra- they had travel dangers as well, not to mention extreme poverty. But the angel spoke, and Joseph obeyed. Joseph and his little family waited in Egypt until the angel told him that it was safe to go back. All right. And then Herod dies. Yes. So after Herod's death, the angel again appears in a dream. Three times now we've had the angel of the Lord speaking to St. Joseph in a dream. (laughs) Rise and take the child and his mother and go back to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. That's Matthew chapter 2, verse 20. Uh, And then there's one more event, and that was um, Joseph going to Galilee. Uh, But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, He was afraid to go back there, and because he had been warned in a dream, he departed to the region of Galilee, and he went and dwelt in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He shall be called a Nazarene. That's Matthew chapter 2, verse 22 through 24. 
So St. Joseph allowed himself to be guided with the docility and blind confidence of a child. These are great examples of how he did that. Yeah. St. Joseph allowed himself to be guided with the docility and the blind confidence of a child, as you said. Um, there, are, These are examples of acts of faith and blind obedience. Joseph neither hesitated nor reasoned. He made no objection. He had complete trust in God. He believed in him fully, in his word and in his divine providence. Uh, St. Joseph's whole life may be summed up as a continual adherence to the divine plan, even in situations which were very obscure and mysterious to him. In St. Joseph, we see that the faith is not separated from the action. His faith had a decisive effect on his actions. So paradoxically, it was by acting, by carrying out his responsibilities, that he stepped aside and left God free to act, placing no obstacles in his way. Joseph is a righteous man, as Matthew 1, 19 says, because his existence is adjusted to the word of God. St. Joseph's life really is a true model of interior souls and a witness of faith. So what you just said kind of reflects on when you were talking about faith being a verb. Um, action. Uh, uh, an action, yeah. So and many people say, you know, give me more faith, God, but they're will- unwilling to take that first step, you know, mm-hmm. because that's a sign to God that you are willing to do something. You know, some people just wait around for God to tell me which way to go. But you have to actually take that first step and then God will, you know, push you a little to the left or a little to the right. But you actually have to start the walk. You have to walk. (laughs) And you got to trust that God is such a good father that if we get off the track, he's going to help us get back on track. Exactly. He doesn't want his children off track. All right. So um, let's uh, let's talk about what does the catechism tell us about faith? Kind of go a little deeper here. Right. Um, In the catechism, um, that's uh, number 227, faith means trusting God in every circumstance, even in adversity. And I'd say most importantly in adversity. But of course, you know, I'm thinking every day because every day is an adventure, right? (laughs) You never know what's going to happen. We only have today. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And, you know, if we trust God in the little events, then when the big ones, when these big uh, adverse situations arise, then we'll have practice faith and, and we will be more prepared to Correct. act in faith. Correct. I mean, you think about runners when they train for a marathon. They run the big marathon, but that's not the big event. They train a little. They jog every day, yeah. you know. So Pope Francis recently said what St. Joseph knew and what is true for all of us is that faith makes us open to the quiet presence of God at every moment of our lives, in every person, and in every situation. This faith allowed him and will allow us to move forward, even though the way may not be clear. Like many people today, especially those on the margins, Joseph had to face some difficult situations, and it was faith, explained Pope Francis, that gave Joseph the power to find the light just at the moment when everything seemed dark. Faith sustained him amid the troubles of life. And thanks to faith, St. Joseph was able to press forward when everything seemed to be holding him back. You know, I I think about some of the big tragic moments in my family. And it seems like it was at that pivotal place where we were most challenged to either go and be despairing or set out in faith. And, of course, 
setting out in faith was a more joyful um, experience because the despair is a mess. It's it's terrible. It's dark. Exactly. So by faith, man completely submits his intellect and his will to God. With his whole being, man gives his assent to God, the revealer. Sacred scripture calls this human response to God, the author of revelation, the obedience of faith. That's uh, Catechism 143. To obey in faith is to submit freely to the word that has been heard because its truth is guaranteed by God, who is truth itself, Catechism 144. So we can say that God knew Joseph and chose him above all men to protect and care for Mary and Jesus. Of course, you're not going to just put anybody in that no, position. That's no. a very important position. So you're going to find the, the great best candidate. You're going to prepare that candidate, right? He, too, would have to embody the obedience of faith as well. Mary did this most perfectly, for she was conceived without sin. And Joseph, by the grace given to him by God for his mission... So in faith, the human intellect and will cooperate with divine grace. Believing is an act of the intellect assenting to the divine truth by the command of the will moved by God through grace. That's Catechism 155. Okay, so let's just talk about some of the characteristics of faith. And of course, all of these are going to apply to St. Joseph, right? Exactly. So faith, we said earlier, uh, is a grace. Right. A gift of God, a supernatural virtue infused by him, Catechism 153. What moves us to believe is not the fact that revealed truths appear as true and intelligible in the light of our natural reason. We believe because the authority of God himself who reveals them can neither deceive nor be deceived. That's Catechism 156. And over and over, when the people went astray, it's because they did not have in faith... Uh, believing in the authority of God, who was revealing himself to them. Constantly. Yes. It was an ongoing process. And and also through the prophets and the the patriarchs and, uh, oh my, the Father says the church and, oh my goodness. So another characteristic of faith is that it is certain. It is more certain than all human knowledge because it is founded on the very word of God who cannot lie. Right. To be sure, revealed truths can seem obscure to human reason and experience. But the certainty that the divine light gives is greater than that which the light of natural reason gives. 10,000 difficulties do not make one doubt. That's Catechism 157. And that's a very important point because just because someone has lots and lots of trials doesn't mean that their faith is going to dissolve or just disintegrate. It might be all those difficulties is what strengthened their faith. Exactly. The grace of faith opens the eyes of your hearts. That's Mm. Catechism 158, and I love that. This is why when the angel came to Joseph in a dream and told him the truth about the child that Mary was carrying, Joseph instantly and without question and without concern for gossip took her as his wife because the eyes of his heart were opened. And that was a grace. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To be human, man's response to God by faith must be free. That's a very important point. Nobody's forced to embrace faith against his will. The act of faith is of its very nature a free act. God calls man to serve him in spirit and in truth, and consequently they are bound to him in conscience, not coerced, and that's Catechism 160. So um, in summary there, faith is a grace. It's a gift, 
It's certain, and it must be free. And those are good points for us to remember as we think about our faith during this Lenten season, because St. Joseph Feast Day always follows during Lent. So, But, of course, this is good for any time um, of the year. So um, can you comment now on how St. Joseph was prepared to be the foster father, uh, the guardian of Jesus? Um, and this, this whole section I, I read right out of, um, the feast day readings from the Liturgy of the Hours. Um, so if you have the four-volume set, you will see it tomorrow. In the, the Office of Readings, In the right? Office of Readings, yeah. correct. Um, a faithful foster parent and guardian. Um, uh, St. Bernadine of Siena, uh, his second sermon on St. Joseph, he says, whenever divine grace selects someone to receive a particular grace or as some especially favored position, all the gifts for his state are given to that person and enrich him abundantly. And of course that would be applicable to St. Joseph correct, to correct. the nth degree. Yes, because he, he was chosen by the Eternal Father to be the faithful foster parent and guardian of the most precious treasure of God, his son and also his spouse. And that was the task which he so faithfully carried out. For this, the Lord said to him, good and faithful servant, Enter into the joy of your Lord. Mm, well put. Well, how does the faith of St. Joseph apply to our times, Marika? We want to bring this to our current situation now. So the trust of this quiet, holy man in the unfolding of God's plan is a reminder that the church's mission will not fail, even in the present darkness of the persecution of Christians, the challenges to religious freedom, and the increasing secularization of our culture. Like St. Joseph, and with his paternal intercession, we continue to be faithful servants of God's plan of salvation. So we can see why he was chosen as the universal patron of the church. St. Joseph was chosen to intercede and to keep watch over this unfolding of mysteries of the human salvation, whose beginnings God entrusted to his faithful care, because he was the foster father of Jesus, our Savior. So... From what you're sharing and what scripture says and what the catechism says, we know that St. Joseph is in our court <laughs> and he wants to help us. Um, and he's helped raise God's only son, Jesus, while he was on earth. And that's a good point, because if you're having trouble with your children, pray to St. <laughs> Joseph. <laughs> As for his fatherly care and advice <laughs> and intercession. <laughs> Very applicable, right? <laughs> All right, well. Um, since we're Carmelites, uh, let's bring in St. Teresa of Avila. What, what did St. Teresa of Avila have to say about St. Joseph? She had a great love for him, I know. Yes, she did. St. Uh, Teresa of Avila also said that Joseph would be the guardian, protector, and guide, and silent witness to the reform of the order. She uh, urged all Carmel to go, and I'm going to butcher this Latin because I never studied Latin, but I will give it my best shot. Ite ad, I think it's Joseph. Go to Joseph. Right. It was in seeking his assistance that she dedicated her nuns and later the friars. Joseph um, is an icon of Carmel. And by icon, we mean that his life, his response to God, his protection and nurture of Jesus all reflect both the beliefs and the faith in the God of Israel. His icon, which shines upon us Carmelites, is a mirror, a window of the fullness of his protection and this is the reason St. Teresa turned to him and asks us to turn to him too. 
So devotion to St. Joseph was a hallmark of St. Teresa of Avila. I remember particularly when reading the book of her foundations, there was one situation where she put the Blessed Mother at one door and St. Joseph at the other door. And I, I could just see that in my mind as I read it. And I thought, wow, that was so wise to do that. And we, we should do that in our own homes. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, to really reflect our Christian faith, um, these, these reminders of those that we love, and who love us um, can only stir our, our faith more and, and help us to keep going on this journey. Uh, devotion to, to St. Joseph was a hallmark of St. Teresa of Avila. Uh, Teresa attributed her miraculous cure to St. Joseph. Uh, while she was living in the Incarnation Convent in Avila, she was struck with an ailment that left her half dead. Uh, she was paralyzed and was presumed dead at one point. Yes, they even put wax on her eyes. They were prepared to bury her. <laughs> I what? remember reading Jeez. about that. <laughs> so she prayed and prayed to St. Joseph, and her prayers were answered. Her paralysis was cured, and she was able to walk again, even though her health was always a bit fragile after that. Um, this is a sign to us that saint, saints truly beget saints. Yes, so we want to know the saints. They'll be helping us on this journey. We can't go it alone. So let us ask um, God to, to give us the same obedience of faith that St. Joseph showed throughout his lifetime. Um, may St. Joseph strengthen us and help us to imitate the humble worker of Nazareth who listened to the Lord, safeguarded the gift that had been entrusted to him, and made a place for the word of God to grow and to live among us. That is wonderful. You've certainly brought a lot of points for us to ponder um, and to consider and to apply to our lives in the raising of our families. Um, so I guess we've come to this closing point. Do you happen to have a closing prayer for us? Um, I actually do. Great. It's a short little prayer. Um, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, dear St. Joseph. We place ourselves with full confidence under your protection. Teach us to live as you did, in faith and abandonment to God. Teach us to live solely for him by consecrating ourselves entirely to his service. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you, Marika. You've really helped us to honor St. Joseph as we approach his feast day. And of course, we want to carry St. Joseph with us all along this journey because he's a great intercessor, as Teresa Vavla say, for any need. Some saints are known for specific needs, but she said St. Joseph was famous for any need that you had. He was the universal uh, saint. And so I really appreciate you sharing your talk with us. And um, we want to remind our listeners that we are putting these podcasts on www.carmeliteconversations.com. And we don't know how frequent we'll do or how infrequent we'll do. We're just letting the spirit move us. We're going to have many different members uh, contribute to our Carmelite conversations. And maybe sometime uh, one of you would like to be one of our guests. If you have any questions or you'd like us to talk about any particular topic, um, I, I think there's a place on CarmeliteConversations.com to get in touch with us. So I thank you and I bless you. And again, thank you, Marika. It's been my <laughs> My pleasure. Well, and thank you, St. Joseph. God bless you. Bye-bye.